0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Friday, February 2nd, 2024 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, Governor Reynolds' bill to overhaul area education agencies hits resistance, Iowans cheer as a bill removing gender identity from civil rights law fails, and grieving families of Iowans killed by distracted drivers and law enforcement speak out against a proposal that would merge a distracted driving crackdown with a traffic camera ban. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Barton, Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief. Our host, Aaron Murphy, is taking some well-deserved time off. But after covering the Iowa caucuses and a busy start to the Iowa legislative session, with me this week are Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough. Welcome, Caleb. Hello, Tom. Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Tom. And Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Greetings, Jared. Tom,
1: I'm here as a part of a PSYOP
0: on behalf of the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) Uh, All right. First up this week, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds' proposal to overhaul the state's area education agencies and give schools the ability to opt out of their special education services faced faced pushback from Iowa lawmakers the governor's proposal got a divided response among lawmakers Wednesday house republicans balked at the proposal and gop senators cautious, cautiously advanced it after testimony from dozens of teachers administrators and parents the frosty reception comes after reynolds amended her proposal this week in response to initial concerns from lawmakers and school advocates signaling another hurdle for one of the governor's defining priorities of the 2024 session. Uh, Republican Representative David Young of Van Meter, an assistant Republican leader in the House, expressed skepticism about the bill's future in the chamber. He said there is not a lot of appetite for the reforms called for in the proposal, but say that Republicans support the teacher pay increase that's also included in the bill. Caleb, you covered Wednesday's subcommittee meetings on the bill. What did lawmakers, parents, and school officials have to say about the proposal? Yeah, there was a lot of uh, different opinions um, on on
2: the bill uh, from parents with kids with special needs and disabilities. It was a pretty unanimous um, uh, disapproval, a caution. Uh, they they were really worried that the bill was going to hurt the um, the propose, or the the services and the care that their stu- that their kids get. Um, Governor Reynolds has said, you know, it's not going to reduce any, uh, special education funding by, by assent. And it, and as it's written, it won't, but, uh, parents are concerned that, you know, based on, uh, the just re re overhauling the entire service structure, it's going to hurt and weaken the system and the kids are going to fall through the gaps. Um, and there was, uh, kind of different opinions coming from, um, from school uh, administrators, especially superintendents, you saw a fairly even split um, between superintendents who came and said they liked the bill. They they wanted to uh, specifically they were in favor of maintaining control over the special education dollars that um, go to their students. Uh, right now, all the state special education dollars go to the AEA's, um, they state and federal, and they you know then route that to services for the kids in the district in their area um officials said some superintendents said they wanted to have control of those dollars that they could have more options and flexibility to educate those kids uh other superintendents said you know that this is going to this this could be this would be helpful for a bigger school that has the money to buy specialized equipment and hire specialized instructors and therapists but for smaller schools that don't have that money they rely on on the kind of uh, scale that the AEA's operate on to provide those services. So uh, Brad Buck, he's a former um, uh, Department of Education chair, uh, director, apologies, under, uh, under Governor Terry Branstad. He's now the superintendent of schools at Waukee. He said, you know, this is going to create winners and losers in Iowa's education, special education system, and uh, rural schools are going to be especially hit.
0: So how did the governor um, respond to the apparent setback? Kind of anticipating those uh, calls in the morning, um, she held a, a
2: press hearing or press gaggle with uh, reporters, which is fairly in, infrequent uh, during the legislative session. So, uh, you know, she she really wanted to get that message out. Um, and she defended the bill and said that she believes Iowa's system needs reform. Um, she again reiterated that no uh, dollars are going to be taken away from special education funding in the state and um, talked about the need for accountability for the AEAs, said that you know they uh, have they're a largely un uh un- unaccountable government agency. They don't have any they they don't have as much oversight in the Department of Education as maybe some other um, uh, agencies do. And uh, she also says, you know, Her biggest inspiration that she says behind this bill is the faltering test scores or the lower test scores for kids with special needs or special uh, education in the state. She says, Iowa is falling behind other states and we're spending more money than other states are and and not seeing any results. So she thinks this proposal is going to um, help that. And that's kind of her driving uh, argument.
0: So what does this week's developments say about the governor's approach to the issue. Did she overestimate her political capital here? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I mean, you saw last year, um, the school,
2: the private school, uh, education savings account bill got um, moved through very quickly. Uh, Republicans generally fell in line behind it. There was some uh, uh, dissent there. Um, but but that also took a couple of years. Um, with Republicans not fully agreeing to it um, for the first two times uh, Reynolds tried it. But, but I, I, th- I think this um, has been interesting to see uh, that exact question of, of, you know, she ruled out this very large um, package. It seems as though uh, there wasn't a lot of time for uh, superintendents, AEA officials to provide feedback because once they did start providing feedback, um, you know, lawmakers have said it's been mostly negative. So uh, lawmakers, Republican lawmakers certainly have a level of hesitancy uh, when it comes to when they're hearing 90 plus percent negative things from back home about a, a bill. And so as much as uh, Governor Reynolds has shown a ability to whip the party um, when it comes to her big uh, agenda setting items, I think that um, this is kind of yeah showing that there's a limit there.
1: Something um I was sort of or I've been struck by even from afar and covering a legislative forum here in the past week or so is it seems like even some of the, the legislators are sort of um frustrated that like and were kind of caught off guard by the legislation and the, the shape it sort of uh took. Have you guys gotten that sense too from covering uh Stuff there at the Capitol.
0: Yeah, I've I, I've heard the same thing um, from lawmakers as well, and um, I, I I think it's notable that um, Senator Ken Rosenbaum, uh, the chair of the Senate Education Committee, um, I, I think said, and maybe it was to your publication, uh, Jared, that um, he he didn't get, I guess, an advance notice of the governor's proposal and, and bill, and was kind of caught off guard and and we've heard that from other lawmakers as well who you know even this week said that they were still working their way through um the the more than 100 page bill to get a fair a full grasp and understanding of what it would do and what the potential impacts and implications could be for school districts in AEAs in their area.
2: Yeah, I think there's just this, this wasn't something that other Republican lawmakers had expressed, you know, filed bills before that they wanted to do or talked about as something that they wanted to do in this sim- not necessarily similar way as the school choice. But I, I think I mentioned this last week, but the school choice uh, issue has a, um, you know, has a political movement behind it. There are there are people who are, you know, it is a political issue and there are people who far, who are, who are in favor of it. And, so there's and you a had and of... you
0: had a national group in this in last year in this case with regard to the ESAs stepping in, um, right. in 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 you know really pushing it and kind of driving the conversation and the discussion around it. You don't you don't have that in this case. Mm-hmm yeah, there was really no precedent um, to
2: this that, you know, there was already energy behind to move it. So,
0: Caleb, what's next for the governor's bill? Um, you spoke to uh, Republican House Speaker uh, Pat Grassley earlier today. What did he have to say? What are we hearing from leadership as to where this thing goes?
2: Grassley said that they are going to, you know, have conversations with administrators, AEA officials within the caucus about what uh, what to do with the bill. It It, it seems like if Republicans uh, in the House move it forward, it's not going to look like it looks now. Um, he didn't have any specific, uh, you know, examples of what's going to change, but he wants, you know, he said he said uh, certain things in the bill, providing more accountability, providing more oversight over the AEAs, Um He thinks that they can get an agreement on. Um, it, it's just unclear right now what it's going to look like once they do kind of get that consensus proposal. And the same thing in the Senate. Um, Senator Rosenboom said, you know, there's a lot of work to do on it. It uh, We don't have all the answers in front of us right now, and uh, he's, you know, having those conversations, and if if they do move it forward beyond this, it, it, it will likely be um, amended and maybe heavily.
0: Uh, Jared and Sarah, I want to bring you into the conversation. Jared, I want to start with you. A couple lawmakers from your neck of the woods expressed concerns with the governor's proposal. Uh, Republican Representative Schuyler Wheeler of Hull, chair of the House Education Committee, declined to advance the bill out of a subcommittee saying that he wanted further conversations before we take action on the bill. And Senator Lynn Evans from uh, Aurelia expressed a desire to, to make changes. What have been their concerns with the bill and what does their hesitancy signal about, I guess, the future of the governor's proposal?
1: Well, a, um, a quite striking uh, detail that I saw related to Lynn Evans yesterday was that he tossed the first version of uh, the bill in the trash and said uh, that's probably the appropriate place for the original. So that's a, that's a good sign of uh, how folks are feeling. Um, yeah, he, he said that it needs more amendments and acknowledged that there's a lot of angst about the bill. And of course, um, it's worth remembering all the way back to uh, one year ago Uh, that Evans was one of the few Republican no votes on the uh, school choice uh, legislation. And part of his rationale uh, for that, that he talked to me about, was he had a concern for students with special needs. Um, So even though he, you know, advanced the legislation yesterday, I don't know that that's a guarantee that he'd vote for the final product just based on what, you know, past voting history is. And, you know, he was also... A former superintendent, so he certainly has a better sense than most of the legislators about the potential ramifications of uh, the legislation. And then um, Skyler Wheeler um, being hesitant feels like a kind of bellwether maybe um, for plenty of other battles uh, in the education realm. He is certainly not shied away at all um, from positions that might not be favorable to folks in the other party or his own party. But the fact that there is this kind of caution here is is certainly very interesting and worth taking note of.
0: Sarah, what are you hearing from lawmakers and school officials in your area there in the Quad Cities?
3: Yeah, so um, with lawmakers, um, I mean, Gary Moore, Republican, who um, he had voted against, like the school choice bill. um, He said in his newsletter this week, it's become clear after taking feedback from Iowans, there's not the support in the House to move this bill forward in its current form. Um, so that kind of, you know, matches with what, um, you guys are hearing at the state house. Um, he basically said, he thinks that there's still room for improvements to the system and that, um. Iowa can continue to work to uh, rise in the rankings of national assessments on special education performance, but that uh, he felt that the state should work with more stakeholders and gather more feedback. And other legislators, there was a forum um, about a week or two after the uh, session had started. And so at that time, the governor's proposal hadn't been rolled out yet. There had been a, a question about it, but um, but the lawmakers hadn't quite taken a stance on it yet. They kind of directed people to the governor's uh, statements. At that time, she was changing the, uh, um, the proposal. So I don't know of anyone else that's made a public statement about it from our area. And, um, and yeah, locally too, we haven't seen too much public feedback from our uh, school administrators or AEA.
0: All right. Next up, Iowa House lawmakers will not advance a bill that would have removed gender identity protections from the Iowa Civil Rights Act. All three members of a House Judiciary Subcommittee declined to sign off on moving the bill forward following roughly an hour of testimony from transgender Iowans, school safety advocates, attorneys, and civil rights activists. Uh, The bill, introduced by State Representative Jeff Shipley, a Republican from Birmingham, would instead add to the acts cover disabilities, gender dysphoria. Um, Shipley said he introduced the bill to examine Iowa's civil rights framework and ensure that it's working as intended, arguing the inclusion of gender identity in Iowa law is not well defined. Advocates for transgender people express their vehement opposition to the proposal, banging on the door of the committee room and shouting and chanting profanities at Shipley in the hallway outside the committee room following the meeting transgender Iowans said the proposal would not provide the same legal protections to transgender Iowans as the current Civil Rights Act. They note that not all transgender people are diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Um, House Majority Leader Matt Winchettel, a Republican from Missouri Valley, said the fact that the subcommittee chose not to advance the bill is a good indication that its ideas are not going to move through the committee process. Or receive a vote on the House floor. Um, Representative John Wills, a Republican from Spirit Lake, who sat on the subcommittee and declined to advance it, said that the the legislation is is effectively dead. Um, Shipley, the bill's author, called the subcommittee meeting the start of a conversation, um, arguing, uh, according to him, that there's a lot of interest in the topic still, and that there's been for there has been for a number of years. And says that there are still relevant manners of law that need to be settled and that uh, the topic is not going away. State Republicans in the past two legislative sessions have passed a series of laws impacting transgender and other LGBTQ Iowans, including a ban on uh, gender transition treatment and surgeries for minors, a ban on teaching of gender identity and sexual orientation through sixth grade. A ban on transgender students using K 12 school bathrooms that align with their gender identity um, and requiring students that uh, to use the bathroom that aligns with their gender at birth. Um, and then a ban on uh, transgender girls competing in girls' sports. Caleb, what does Wednesday's vote by lawmakers in reaction to the bill say about legislators and Iowans' tolerance for? continued efforts to enact laws restricting transgender rights. Is this a signal that Republicans' fixation on trans issues could backfire? Yeah, I think I think it
2: shows that at least there's a, a limit for now, and there's not a lot of energy behind explicitly taking these protections away. And, you know, there very well may be, and, and there are Republicans in, in the uh, legislature that think that those discrimination protections shouldn't exist for, for gender, Jeff Shipley being one, he introduced the bill. Um, and he's pretty clear about that. Um, But, you know, if you look at previous bills that or previous laws that uh, Republicans have passed that focus on uh, transgender people, you know, they have been able to say on the issue of sports, they were advocating for fairness in women's sports and um, for minors, they were, you know, protecting children. That was their rationale. Um, This one, on the other hand, is just, you know, plainly we're going to allow for discrimination against some people in our state that at one point that previously when we were 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 protected from discrimination. And so there's not really any other way to spin that. And so I don't think they wanted to have that optics fight, um, especially, you know, maybe it's worth noting during an election year. Uh, it's un, you know, it's unclear. This this, this issue could galvanize some um, people to vote for Republicans. There are definitely people who, um, you know, are aligned with that idea. But it could also, you know, as we saw, there were a lot of people that came out um, who were very upset about this bill. So, so not that many of those people would have voted for Republicans anyway, but it's going to energize people to maybe come out and vote for Democrats. So it's it, it's definitely something that I think um, there wasn't really much of a of an upside to it. Um, that, that people saw.
0: Yeah. So it, we I've seen from pollsters and strategists suggesting that focusing on transgender issues could actually help Republicans uh, if independent voters, you know, see the GOP as defending what they see as common sense school policies from, you know, quote unquote, woke gender ideology run amok. Um, or it could end up hurting Republicans if voters think that they're just picking on a small misunderstood understood set of individuals simply trying to live their lives. Is is that kind of what we saw this week? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think, as I mentioned, like
2: some of those issues, there are um, slight majorities in favor of, you know, preventing uh, trans women from from participating in women's sports. Those are things that people, you know, if, if somebody uh, passes that law and they argue for, you know, from that fairness angle, there are people who are going to agree with that on this issue. It's just, it it does kind of steer more towards that misunderstanding or, or picking on individuals versus having a rationale behind it. Jared?
1: Yep. I saw that uh, today there was a new uh, bill that was introduced that was uh, an act relating to the term sex and related terms for purposes of uh, statutory construction including an indication of a person's sex on certain vital records and on certain applications and identification cards. So that's dealing with like state agencies. And um, one of the things I noticed already that people are picking apart online is um, a passage in there that's sort of defining terms and and that sort of thing saying uh, the term equal does not mean same or identical separate accommodations are not inherently unequal.
2: Yeah, Jared, I saw that, uh, Filed. I hadn't um, read it yet, but I, I did. I saw a tweet about that language, and that that is interesting language. It it kind of uh, harkens back to. The separate but equal argument uh, uh, from before Brown or his Board of Education. So not, not that that's advocating for the same thing, but it's interesting.
0: And finally this week, Iowa law enforcement officials and grieving families of Iowans killed by distracted drivers packed a Senate committee room Tuesday over a proposal that would pair a ban on automated traffic can- enforcement cameras with cracking down on motorists who talk into their smartphones as they drive. More than a dozen individuals voiced opposition to the proposal by State Senator Brad Zahn, a Republican from Urbandale, who's tried for years to ban traffic cameras. Um, They voiced opposition to Zahn, linking the two issues into one bill. Uh, Senate subcommittee voted two to one to advance uh, the the legislation. Um, While he said he dislikes being on the opposite side of an issue from law enforcement, Zahn said he believes fundamentally that traffic cameras are unconstitutional. Um, The devices capture video of vehicles speeding or running red lights. Law enforcement then reviews the images captured by a camera vendor, which shows the the license plate number and tag, um, and issues citations to the vehicle's registered owners. Zon said he chose to pair the two proposals uh, because, quote, I want to pass something finally, end quote um, suggesting that House Republicans support for banning traffic cameras would ease concerns about the distracted driving portion of the bill among law enforcement officials who voiced concerns with the bill were Davenport police officials who were um, supportive of the bill's provisions to bar handheld use of mobile devices while driving but urges on to drop his proposal to ban traffic cameras. Um, Sarah, what have Davenport police officials um, had to say about Zon's proposal, and how has Davenport used traffic enforcement cameras?
3: Yeah, so Davenport has used uh, traffic enforcement cameras since 2012, and um, so they have red light cameras at three intersections, and they say that those those cameras in particular have reduced uh, the number of crashes within those intersections on average by 72%. Um, So they say that this is a way to reduce crashes, increase safety on roadways where it's difficult for police officers to get out and enforce speeding and traffic. Um, As anybody who lives near Brady and Harrison in Davenport knows there are a lot of speeders and people who uh, don't obey traffic laws and kind of treat it as a little bit of a race. Um, so certainly Davenport is arguing that uh, automated traffic enforcement uh, reduces those types of speeders, traffic uh, um, crashes and uh, allows them to more safely police their, their roads for motorists. But they did say, as you said, Tom, um, uh, they do support the, the handheld device ban.
0: So lawmakers have floated several ways to regulate traffic cameras over the past several years, citing concerns about privacy and arguing that some cities use them uh, to drive revenue. Caleb, what are the chances that lawmakers succeed this year in banning uh, uh, traffic enforcement cameras? And what does Zahn's play here to pair that effort with a popular bipartisan proposal to crack down on distracted driving.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I know that this has been going on for many years. I'm fairly new to this, so I I, I just have kind of a, a loose understanding of the history of this fight. But a, a total ban on traffic cameras just seems unlikely to me. I just think that first of all, uh, from my kind of experience with these, the police groups, the state patrol, are not for banning traffic cameras, and you know the lawmakers. Uh, many lawmakers put a lot of stock in what um, police and uh, departments are telling them, and, and so you know they say that it makes things safer. And and um, I think quite a few people um, in the majority Republican Party agree with that. And so I think that there's definitely a uh, energy or a, a chance that they would will get regulated, that there's going to be you know rules about where you can put them, how frequently they can assign tickets, what the maximum ticket price or what the, whatever the word is cost is going to be um but I, I now right ban seems unlikely
3: can I ask was uh were there were leclaire officials there I don't know if they
0: yeah they 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 may have been but they didn't speak during the subcommittee hearing um they they didn't identify themselves but they may very well have been in the room
3: yeah because that's at least in our area that's one of the biggest controversies is a red light camera, or excuse me, a speeding camera on um, Interstate 80 near Leclerc and the uh, municipality actually uh, they use that the revenue that they get from the uh, speed enforcement camera to fund um, business development grants. So like if there's, for example, there's been um, some new businesses going in and so they'll get like a facade improvement grants that is funded by the speed cameras.
1: Um, Tom, you mentioned there um, there was you know bipartisan uh, support on the proposal to crack down on distracted driving. Is is there the same kind of bipartisan interest in the traffic camera uh, portion of this?
0: No, not really. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely interest among Republicans, um, as Caleb mentioned, to do something to regulate or restrict their use, right? To to set up some sort of guardrails about how um, cities and communities use them, where they place them, um, you know, how much they can uh, charge somebody from a, for a citation, you know, how often they can ticket somebody. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they also put something in there to, to what Sarah was talking about, um, saying how revenue or money you, derived from these cameras are, are utilized. A lot of communities in Iowa that utilize the, the traffic enforcement cameras including Davenport and Cedar Rapids use those proceeds or use that revenue to, to support public safety initiatives. Um, so I could I could see them putting forward some sort of bill to, to say that the revenues have to be essentially used for, for those type of, of purposes. Democrats have been opposed to um, banning or restricting the use of these um, uh, traffic cameras saying that essentially supporting the arguments that have been made by law enforcement agencies in the state saying that that they have been proven effective at reducing crashes. You know, again, removing them would also remove um, an important um, revenue generating tool to support these public safety entities in in Iowa.
1: Is is this the new uh, bottle bill for the uh, Iowa legislature?
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it, um, you know, it's it's definitely Bottle Bill-esque in, in that, you know, this is something that comes up every year and have been bringing it up since, I don't know, 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. and And there's always, you know, discussion and it never really goes anywhere.
2: Jared, I hate to break it to you, but I think the bottle bill may be uh, coming back from the dead here. Uh, oh. I, I didn't, I didn't go to it. I didn't even read it, but there's a bill that's been filed and there's something to me about saying who can accept bottle and can returns. I think is that right, Tom?
0: Yeah, it was. It was either something related to who can who can accept them or specifying who can who can refuse to accept them and refuse to give somebody their, their deposit for, for the beverage container. Yeah. I mean, same with you, Caleb, unfortunately I didn't go to that subcommittee and didn't really delve into the bill. I just kind of, you know, saw it as I was looking through stuff, but um, yeah, apparently maybe that issue is is not dead. Like we thought it was, that's going to be it for us on this edition of on Iowa politics. If you're not already, please subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. And you can also catch us each week on your preferred Gazette or Lee newspaper website. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure that you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. Lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Mason City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Sioux City Journal. Spotlight by Chai Songwriter featuring Alicia Monet will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. Kayla McCullough, Sarah Watson, Jared McNett, and our producer, Bailey Chihan. I'm Tom Barton. Thanks for listening.
1: My favorite text is WID. That means you want me to come, come, and do my thing. All eyes on us, no matter who I bring. So I get around, I'll be on my two pot queen. You know, I go hard open. No. Throw a hundred in the air, drop no Bluetooth You the show, girl, hundreds in for intermission Ignore your inhibitions, follow your intuition I the really wanna put you in the
3: moon, baby, that's why this night's nice for us I wanna make you feel how I feel